When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It's deadline day. The Major League Baseball trade deadline passed about 102 minutes ago, which is about how long ago I was on an airplane flying from Zanzibar to Doha to Kennedy. Coca said, hurry up and shower. We got a lot to talk about. Now, of course, the trade deadline is normally, I've never seen it August 2nd before. It's always been in July, the last day of July. July 31st has always been the day, as far as I can remember. I had 18 of them where you spend the week before, you're with your baseball people, you order in pizza and wings and beers. All of the beers are maybe nighttime, and you have all the trade scenarios. And then the night before the deadline, you know you've got one more day of this marathon. You have your dream trades. You have your I'll never trade. We could trade. I want to trade. We'll never trade. I will trade. But now the new collective bargaining agreement said that MLB can choose any day it wants within a window for the deadline. And they chose August 2nd, of course, the day that had always been scheduled to be the final day of my one-month journey to Eastern Africa. But we adjust. Now, secretly, I said to you, Juan Soto's not going to be traded because I didn't want him traded while I was away. I wanted to be able to go live to talk about it. But it made no sense to me for the Nationals to trade Soto because the Nationals are for sale. So I said, by the way, you've come across nothing personal. I'm back, baby. The Washington Nationals are a franchise for sale. The Lerner family owns them. Ted Lerner is about 92, 93 years old now. He's got a bunch of kids who own a bunch of shares in the team. One of his kids, Mark Lerner, is the general partner. And all the kids got together and said, you know, I think it's time to monetize this investment. We won our World Series. Let's set up a room where people can come in virtually, look at all of our revenue, look at all of our expenses, and let's take some bids. Now, they said to you, we may not sell. I said to you, they're definitely selling. Then when Juan Soto came up, it was a very simple equation. When the Marlins were sold in 2017 to Bruce Sherman and Derek Jeter, Giancarlo Stanton's contract had exactly zero to do with the purchase price. 
it wasn't as though they looked at his contract and said, oh, that's too much. We're going to bid less. Oh, that's such a great deal. You have such a good farm system. You have great young players. We're going to pay more. When you buy a team, you are buying a seat in a room where there are only 30 chairs. That said, when you've got a player like Juan Soto or Giancarlo Stanton, or you've got a TV deal to negotiate or a lease to negotiate or any important business decision, when your team is for sale, you do not make that decision without speaking to the potential owners. That's just a hard stop. It's a guarantee. You can't talk about it because it's against the rules. The only person who's allowed to make decisions for your team is the quote unquote control person who's Mark Lerner for the Washington Nationals, Bruce Sherman for the Florida, for the Miami Marlins. But in real life, you speak to the person or group who may be buying the team and you talk about different business issues. Business issues include player issues. If there's more than one group bidding for the team, which was the case with the Marlins, I would talk to each of the groups about different things that were going on. Do you want us to sign this TV deal? What do you think about having Giancarlo Stanton on your team? That's the same conversation that was had with Mark Lerner or his representatives and potential buyers of the Nationals. When you are buying a team, you look at it as a long-term investment. You don't look particularly at any player contract. You look at the makeup of the team, but what you're really looking at when deciding what to bid is how big the ego premium is going to be. How much are you going to pay to be in one of those 30 chairs? The Nationals offered Juan Soto $440 million. He's represented by Scott Boras, who there's no way is taking that deal. He wants to set a record, meaning more than Trout. He wants to set a record getting paid more per year than Max Scherzer, who's around $43 million from the Mets. And the Nationals were not going to offer him that deal. Juan Soto will not be a free agent, folks, until after 2024. This is 2022. He has two full seasons left and three postseasons. You don't need to sign him to an extension now. You don't need to trade him now. You don't need to do anything but watch him play. But the Nationals made a decision after winning the World Series in 2019 that they were going to trade Trey Turner. They were going to trade Max Scherzer. They were not going to sign Anthony Rendon. Great move by the Nationals. Let the Angels pay for him and let them sink into a sinkhole. Can you sink into a sinkhole? Let them fall into a sinkhole. But Juan Soto is going to be the cornerstone. He's a 23-year-old future Hall of Famer. Is this sounding familiar? Who's going to be a cornerstone for a franchise? Who would ever trade a franchise cornerstone? Don't look. All right, are we live, Coca? Because people are saying, Samson, how can you talk about this? You traded Miguel Cabrera. Can I point out why we traded Miguel Cabrera? We're going to talk about it maybe on a future episode. I think I may have covered on a mailbag even while we were gone. In, in Africa this past month. We had tried to get a new stadium in Miami, couldn't get it, therefore knew we couldn't keep Miguel Cabrera long-term, knowing that there'll be another player, there'll be another 
franchise generational player. Maybe, we hope so. But either way, we had to allocate money to the ballpark. Where are the Nationals allocating their money? They have a ballpark. They have a TV deal. Maybe they decided that they weren't going to give in to Scott Boris. Maybe they decided they didn't need to give in today. So I said to you, he's not going to get traded. A, I don't want him traded while I'm gone. But B, it makes no sense. When you're sitting in a trade deadline room, you're sitting around a table. You have this whiteboard. You're writing things down. Maybe it's all fancy with computers and PowerPoint presentations. But you look at all 29 other teams. We don't look at Baseball America. We don't look at MLB.com. We keep a list, our own list, of the top acquisition targets for each team. You go around the room and you say, what would you take for Juan Soto? You go to your analytics department. You go to your financial department. You go to your baseball department. You collect the deals that you would do. You put them on the board and then you rank them. Then you knock on the owner's door and you say, okay, are you telling us we have to trade Juan Soto? Answer, no. When is Juan Soto the most valuable trade piece? The answer is not this deadline. Next off season, next deadline. Maybe he's more valuable on the Nationals. There's no way to answer that question. For all of the people in the media and all the fans and all the executives who are telling you that this was the perfect time to pull off the greatest, biggest trade in the history of baseball, they maximize the value for Juan Soto. On top of that, if the Padres don't make the playoffs and they want to trade him, they can trade him before he's a free agent and get back some of the prospects they gave to the Nationals. It's all a bunch of horse hockey. All the Nationals did was put on the board the exact trade they would do with each team. Then they said, what's the number one trade we would do? They called up the teams. You don't just call the Padres and the Dodgers and the Cardinals. You make 29 phone calls. When you are trading someone like Miguel Cabrera or Juan Soto, you call every team. And you don't engage in trade talks. You present to them, this is the trade, period. Can we discuss anything? The GM will say. Well, we can discuss things around the edges, but the core is the core. Well, what about Patrick Corbin? Will you take Patrick Corbin? No, no, we're not going to take Patrick Corbin. Okay. That was a big rumor they're going to attach Patrick Corbin to Juan Soto. No. The Nationals were never going to do that because when you trade away a player who is being overpaid like Patrick Corbin, the pitcher for the Nationals, by definition, you're going to get back less for the other players. We got back less in so many trades because we attach bad money contracts. Do you remember back when Mike Lowell, the World Series MVP, went to the Red Sox? He was a bad money contract that we attached to Josh Beckett, and we still got Hanley Ramirez, Anabel Sanchez, and we would have done better if we didn't attach Lowell. Ironically, Lowell ended up being great, but it was a bad contract at that point. So the Nationals say, we are looking at Soto. 
Then the teams say, well, what about Josh Bell? Ah, good. We're trading Josh Bell also. Do you know what the Nationals did? And it's quite simple. It's easy. You know it. They had a separate board for Juan Soto, a separate board for Josh Bell. They split up the trades. If it's the same team, it's the same team. When you're comparing deals, when you are trading other players like Jordan Montgomery of the Yankees or like Iglesias of the Angels or Syndergaard, whoever else you're trading, you compare deals because there are going to be different, de definite differences in how other teams value the player you're trading versus how you value them. When you're trading someone like Juan Soto, it doesn't work that way. You don't do a Russell Crowe beautiful mind computation. You do your one deal, and that's it. The San Diego Padres were the perfect trading partner today for Juan Soto. The San Diego Padres had a deal that the Nationals would do and had a franchise that is so desperate to jump out of the shadows of the Los Angeles Dodgers, so desperate to prove that they've got the financial muscle of the Dodgers, that they are not to be talked about as a small revenue team or a small market team. They are going to get their first World Series. They have a cologne that reeks of desperation. And when other teams know it, do you know what they do? It's like the jungle. It's like the Serengeti. It's survival of the fittest. If you are out there and you are desperate, you're going to get eaten. Now, I'm getting a lot of negative attention now, Coca. People saying, how could you evaluate this trade? How could you say the Nats made a good trade? How could you be poo-pooing the Padres especially. David, you made so many bad trades in your career. <laughs> I guess I would say this. Can you find me one executive who has made all good trades? I'll wait. Theo Epstein. No, no, not him. Sandy Alderson. No, not him. Andrew Friedman. No, not him. David Sampson. No, not me. It doesn't work that way. When you do something long enough, of course you're going to make mistakes. Every trade that I did, was it a success? No. Did I count on my baseball people? Yes. Did it work all the time? No. Is that okay? Yes. So, how did the Nationals do today? How did the Padres do today? Because if you read the articles, which you're going to see, they're going to start coming out tonight. You're going to see people on talk shows all day tomorrow. They're going to talk about the Padres as the big winners, the big winners of the deadline. You're going to get companies like CBS that are going to go up and say, look at their odds. They were plus 800 to win the pennant. Now they're plus 400. 22 to 1 to win the World Series and now 8 to 1. Anyone out there know how odds move? Do you want to know? It's based on bets. That means people are betting the Padres now. It doesn't mean the Padres have a better chance to win. It means more people think they have a better chance to win, and that's what moves the odds. So you're going to see all these things about the Padres, how great it is. And let me say, unequivocally and clearly, I agree. 
it is great for the Padres to have gone out and traded for Juan Soto. It's great for them today. It's great for them tomorrow. It is outstanding when any team is willing to build up its farm system and then use it to get major league players. I always said to you, I don't care what our farm system is ranked. It doesn't have to be the top ranked farm system. I I don't care. I want to win major league games. When you've got a team that's never won a World Series, they want to win so badly, they'll do anything to win. Mortgaging their future, it's possible. Signing Joe Musgrove to $100 million, Manny Machado, $300 million, Eric Hosmer, $140 million. They traded him today. We'll talk about that later. Will Myers, $100 million. Fernando Tatis, what did he get? $300-something million? The San Diego Padres have made their bed. But Juan Soto is not in their bed. Juan Soto is simply their player as though he were still in the Nationals without an extension. They're going to get him for three postseasons. They're going to see if they can combine it with their starting pitching, with their additional bullpen help and Josh Hader from the Milwaukee Brewers. And they're going to try to win. How is that not a winner? What happens when you look back four years from now and the Nationals are again winning 95 games with players who are prospects that they got from this trade? Does that make the Nationals winners then but losers now? Can you be a winner now and a loser then and a loser now and a winner then? Of course. That's why baseball trades are so fascinating to me. That's why the analysis of baseball trades is the silliest fool's game ever played. Do you want to know why there's no one making $20 million a year to give you analysis of Major League Baseball trades? Because you know better. You can't analyze a trade the way you can in basketball, where you can say right now, how is that trade? And you get immediate returns. It's going to be years before you can evaluate that trade. Go back to the press clippings when Cabrera was traded for Cameron Mabin and Andrew Miller. They were better prospects than the Padres gave for Soto. Didn't pan out. Maybe we'll keep track of the Nationals prospects and see if it panned out. And then do you criticize A.J. Preller? Do you say he then lost the trade? If you're Juan Soto, what are you thinking today? Here's the sad truth. He's thinking, I get to go to San Diego and I get to have relevant games in September. That's it. He doesn't think he's all of a sudden going to make more money in free agency. He won't. He's not saying it's a better ballpark, better place to live, better weather. Happy to play with Manny, Fernando, top of that lineup. He's not saying any of that. Scott Boris was in his ear today saying, we are going to get you traded. You just be you. If you can get a second World Series with a second team before free agency, all it's going to do is maybe drive up your price, set an even bigger record. You would be shocked the way players react to trades. It is the rare player who sheds the tear, who's sad, miserable, despondent, like Christian Vasquez being traded by the Red Sox. The majority of players know it's part of the game. Whichever clubhouse they go to, whichever home stadium, they go and they play baseball. 
So this whole Juan Soto trade that shook the baseball world, it's not that earth-shattering. The biggest trade in the history of the world. Okay? Why? Because of who he may be? Because of his Hall of Fame trajectory? No Hall of Famers get traded at the age of 23 who have this many All-Stars, that many World Series championships, more walks than strikeouts. I can come up with 50 stats. People will come up with 50 stats. It's much ado about nothing, William. It's exciting. I get it. MLB sits around and they get to own the news of the day if it weren't for the Dolphins and Deshaun Watson and everything else in training camps. Teams right now are figuring out who they are. Do you remember we split the season into three pies? You've got the April-May pie, the June-July pie, the August-September pie. Three pies. Two-thirds of your pie is done for this coming season. The best executives are always thinking about the three-pie theory. What are the three pies when you're on August 2nd? It's August, September, April, May of 23, and June, July. You are always looking further ahead. You're always paying attention to what you have now, but also what you're going to be later. You're always evaluating what you think you were versus what you are, versus what you want to be. You're evaluating what you think you're going to be, what you should have been. When you are making trades, you've got several departments that have to be involved. The reason the finance department is involved is you're dealing with money every day. The way players get paid is April to October, but it's by day. It's, it's not by week or by month. It's literally by day. There's something called the daily rate for a player. And you multiply the daily rate by the number of days left in the championship season. And you keep a list. It's another list that you keep. Now it's computerized, but before we would get a printout every day. That's what we would get from our finance department was a printout of what each player had left on his salary. Because you're doing it for cash flow reasons. You're doing it so you understand when you make trades. The finance department gives the information to the business side, to the president of the team. The president of the team communicates with the owner, communicates with the GM. You're always keeping in mind, if your payroll is high enough, what the luxury tax threshold is. And the San Diego Padres were thinking about if they take on Juan Soto's money, I think he's making $17 million. There's a third of the year left. So they're paying him, let's say, $5 million for the rest of the year. He replaces a guy who'd be paid two hundred grand for the rest of the year, so you're taking on $4.8 million, rough numbers. So you figure out where your salaries are, whether or not you're up against any tax situation. Then you're looking at your roster situation. So many people give you clues about that. This person got designated for assignment. This person was optioned to the minor leagues. This person was called up from the minor leagues. All of that is because each day of the championship season, you have to have a 26-man roster who is active for a particular major league game. And then you've got the ability to have 40 players overall available 
from which to choose your 26 for that particular day. You don't get 45, you don't get 50. You only get 40. You cannot call someone up to play third base for you on a Tuesday if that player is not on your 40-man roster. When you are thinking of trading players at the trade deadline, you have to pay attention to your roster. You have to get your roster ready for that game. That's exactly what teams do. The Padres are getting all this together. They've got a trade worked out. They wanted Eric Hosmer off the Padres. Eric Hosmer is a local South Floridian. He played at American Heritage. Had a championship career with the Kansas City Royals. Was signed to a huge deal by the Padres prematurely because they weren't ready to win. And he's been moderate. Definitely not worth the money. But at the time the deal was signed, everyone was so excited. Everyone's so happy at the first press conference. That's like being happy at the wedding and not realizing there could be a divorce. The Padres said to the Nationals, take Eric Cosmer. The Nationals said, okay, but we're not going to pay for him. And the Padres said, no problem. We're paying him anyway. Eric Cosmer had a no-trade clause. A no-trade clause is something that his agent, Scott Boris, got for him when he signed with the Padres for that exorbitant amount of money. And he got a no-trade clause to 10 teams. He got to choose which 10 teams he did not want to be traded to. He chose the Washington Nationals as one of his 10 teams. Most contracts who have limited no-trade clauses for their player, that player gets to make a list every single year. Most players put the 10 worst teams in the league on their no-trade list. I don't want to go to that team. I don't want to go to that team because they stink. The smart players put the best teams on their no-trade clause. The reason why you put the best teams on your list of teams that you can't be traded to is you know that if you're playing for a team who wants to trade you, because you're not playing well or you're not competitive. And you think that the best teams are going to want you as a bat off the bench or as a bullpen arm. You have leverage if you have a no trade clause to that team. My first experience with that was in 2002 with another Scott Boras client named Charles Johnson, a neighbor of mine in Florida back in the day. He was signed to a big deal by Dave Dombrowski and John Henry. When I took over, he was not worth the money. We wanted to trade him, but he had a no trade clause. We had a trade worked out to trade him to the Colorado Rockies. And you know what Scott Boris and Charles Johnson said? Nope. Thank you, but we'll pass. He loves Florida, lives in Florida, doesn't want to leave Florida. He's got family, kids. We said, really? That's it? And he said, well... How about a million dollars? And I said, now we're talking. Now I'm understanding what your no trade clause is about. It's to get money. Gave Charles Johnson a million bucks. See you later. Off to Colorado. Eric Hosmer had a no trade clause to the Nationals. And he didn't get an extra million dollars. The numbers are so crazy now. 
Just said, I don't need it, don't want it, don't want to go to Washington. So guess what the Padres did? They said, no problem. You think you're going to stay in San Diego? It's semi-sonic time, baby. It's closing time. One last call for alcohol. I don't know where you can be, but you can't be here. The Padres traded Eric Hosmer to the Boston Red Sox, and people in Boston said, I can't believe we're taking Eric Hosmer. It's ridiculous. He's owed like $40 million over the next three years. He stinks. Guess how much the Red Sox are paying Eric Hosmer? The minimum. The Padres sent all the money for Hosmer with him to Boston. So that trade was the equivalent of the San Diego Padres waiving Eric Hosmer, putting him on waivers, designating for assignment, taking him off the roster. Every team gets a chance to take him, but if you take him, you got to pay him his rate, so no one will take him, and then he becomes a free agent. Once you're a free agent, you can sign anywhere, and you get paid the minimum by your new team, and your old team pays the balance. When you know that you are getting rid of a player who's a veteran who's overpaid, here's what you do before you waive him. You call 29 teams. Hey, we're getting rid of Hosmer. Do you have maybe a pitching machine you could give us? Maybe a bag of new scuffed balls that has some good spider tech on it? Anybody with a heartbeat. How about that? Any player. I'll give you a list of players you choose. Okay, what's the list? Any player in your system. Doesn't matter. Any team. Any player. Any league. Why? Because it's the same thing as getting nothing for him. And if you're the Boston Red Sox, you say, we've got a record that indicates that we're not going to get the first choice to claim Eric Hosmer off waivers. We're not going to claim him because we're not going to pay him. When he's a free agent, we're not guaranteed to sign him. He may not want to come here. We wouldn't mind him playing first base for us. We'll give a player to the Padres. We'll take him. Boom. Trade comes together. That's how it happens. It happens in a half hour. It doesn't take long. It's not a big deal. Today, there was a huge bit of news, Coca. It was ridiculous. Will Eric Hosmer hold up the deal? He's got a no trade clause. He won't go to the Nats. The whole deal's off. Then the rumors were it's on. It's off. It could be on. It may be off. What's Hosmer going to do? A.J. Preller could not have cared less what Eric Hosmer did. Mike Rizzo did not care whether Eric Hosmer was in the deal. Now, for optics, they added Luke Voigt once Eric Hosmer decided not to go. It's the same thing. Sorry, Yankee fans, but it's the same thing. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. <sighs> Do you remember when I told you the Yankees need starting pitching? Why did I, what happened there? 
I got absolutely crushed for that. I don't really understand why. I said they have Garrett Cole, who's fine. Not an ace, but he's a great number two. They don't know what they're getting from Severino. There's no way that Nestor's going to be that all the way through October. Talon's Talon. Guess what? The Yankees traded for Montas from the Oakland A's. Just so you know, Frankie Montas, who is a quality middle of the rotation arm, a great arm to have on a playoff team, not a number one starter on a playoff team, doesn't need to be on the Yankees, but a absolute upgrade. You realize that Montas is a Yankee, but then they did something else today that Yankee fans are saying, Samson, you're wrong. They have so much starting pitching, they traded Jordan Montgomery to the Cardinals. Do you know who Jordan Montgomery is? All right, Yankee fans, do you want to hold your ears? Is this live? Are we still live, Coca? Jordan Montgomery is a serviceable piece on a mediocre team without championship aspirations. That's his evaluation. He's fine. He's fine. The Cardinals were so desperate for starting pitching, they gave a gold glove winning center fielder to the Yankees and Harrison Bader to get Jordan Montgomery. But make no mistake, the Yankees rotation got better and Brian Cashman knew it had to get better. For all of the people who believe that the Yankees were good enough as is, they weren't. What about trading Joey Gallo? What happens in a front office? When do you decide that you made a mistake and you fold versus hold? When do you think the Yankees knew that Joey Gallo was not going to make it in New York? New York has something that 29 other teams don't, including the Mets. When you play for the Yankees, there are players who simply can't play for the Yankees. I've spoken to players about this hours upon hours in a clubhouse. Talking to Carl Pavano about this. Talking to veterans like Pudge Rodriguez. Uh, trying to understand what goes through a player's mind. I'm not a player. They can't be executives. I can't be players. Sorry, Derek. I can't be you. You can't be me. What happens when you put on pinstripes? Every player I've ever spoken to who's played for the Yankees, every one of them has told me the same thing. When you put on pinstripes for the very first time, and I've spoken to Giancarlo Stan about this very thing. There's a feeling you get like you're putting on Iron Man's costume. Like you've got this halo. Some people view it as a weighted blanket. And some people view it as your most comfortable PJs ever. And the players know it immediately. But they don't tell you. We always have to wait for the performance. Joey Gallo knew from the minute he put on the pinstripes that it wasn't going to work. He played 140 games for those guys. Not bad. He hit a buck 59. I think he struck out 699 times in 400 at-bats or something. 
Does that make him the worst trade deadline acquisition of last year? Does that mean the Yankees were losers for getting him? No. It was a great acquisition at the time. And it ended up being a weighted blanket. And they moved on. What I couldn't believe today, in the biggest surprise, bar none, of the trade deadline, the Los Angeles Dodgers picked up the rest of Joey Gallo's contract. Those bastards have so much money, they're willing to give Joey Gallo $4 million. $4 million. Oh, that's nothing for the Dodgers. It's easy, right? Listen, I'm live, folks. I'm really just off a 30-hour plane. I didn't even shave because that would have taken an hour. It was a long, long flight, so I just had to. I'm sneezing. I'm coughing. Sorry. Are we still live? Can we edit that out, Coca? All right, ready? Start it right now. How's the beard? Not bad. Okay. Four, six, nine. Welcome. You are looking live at nothing personal. We just took a little sniffles break. Four million dollars the Dodger gave. My God. All right, a couple things I also want to point out about today that I want to get to some questions because we are live and there's so many of you listening and I appreciate that. But a few things happened today that were of interest. Every president and GM after the trade deadline has a clubhouse meeting. Everyone, whether they become public or not, whether it's done on a one-on-one basis or whether it's done as a group, You meet with your players. Prior to the deadline, only some executives talk to their players. I was one of them, and I worked with people who did not actually like that I spoke to the players as much as I did. But I tried to keep them up to date. You're being traded. You're not being traded. We're trying to trade you. We may not get what we want. We're looking for the following things. We may get it. We may not get it. But either way, you are speaking to the players after. There's three meetings. That was unbelievable for those of you watching. I put up two fingers. There are three meetings that are of interest today. Let's start in Milwaukee. The Milwaukee Brewers traded their closer, Josh Hader, to the San Diego Padres. And the Milwaukee Brewers clubhouse is despondent beyond repair. And that's why David Stearns is one of the best president of baseball operations in all of baseball. He understands that while the Brewers are in first place right now, while they could get on a World Series run, maybe, and get their first World Series, when you've got the market size they have, which is like San Diego, but they act more appropriately than San Diego, you've got to do things at the high, not at the low. My specialty was trading players at the low. The best people trade them at the high. Josh Hader had his replacement already in Milwaukee by the name of Devin Williams. That's an embarrassment of riches that the Brewers do not need, did not need, have not needed. And they found a desperate team who wanted to get a closer. The haul that the Brewers got from the Padres for Josh Hader is not being talked about. It was the most lopsided trade of the deadline. So for all the Brewer fans who are miserable, have faith in David Stearns. 
to Yelly and the other people in the clubhouse. Yelly was very upset at a lot of different deadlines with the Marlins, no doubt about that. You always have said you want to be competitive every year. When you're not the Yankees or the Dodgers, it's really hard to be competitive every year. You better be smarter than everyone. You know who's smarter than every one of the Brewer players? David Stearns. So when I have that meeting with my players after a trade like they made with Hayter, I'm not being all sappy and, oh, I'm so sorry. Hang in there, Devin. I know you gave an interview where you cried alligator tears and everyone's so pissed off that it's palpable. Screw you. Let me tell you something. Go play. We know what we're doing and we're going to make it so you guys have a chance to win, not just this year, but next year and the year after and the year after and bullpen arms are fungible. Where's the ring that haters gotten you? Are you wearing it? Does it look good? What size is it? Second clubhouse that had an interesting meeting was in Chicago. They had Wilson Contreras and Ian Happ to trade. They didn't trade him. The reason why those trades didn't happen when you have guys who should be traded and they're not, which are free agents to be, let's say, and for whatever reason, you hold on to them. Those front offices, when they're eating pizza and drinking beers and they've got the whiteboard, and I told you if they've got the Juan Soto trade, and if they don't hit that bid, no trade, guess what? For Wilson Contreras, you also have trades on the board, but it's not, if you don't hit the bid, we won't do the trade. That's more of a CD, we call it, a consensus deal. We get our baseball people, our analytics people, and we look at what the offers are for a particular player. We have the owners tell us that it's okay, we can keep his money on the payroll. If you have to get rid of the money, then you take whatever trade you can get, which is why you get so many trades at the 6 p.m. deadline. But what you say is, if we don't love the deal, we're not going to do it. That's all that happened. So the meeting inside the Cubs clubhouse was, hey, ignore the noise, go play. We'll decide who goes, who doesn't go. Sometimes we trade Rizzo and Baez. Sometimes we keep them. Sometimes we offer Contreras to stay long-term. Sometimes we don't. Sometimes we win the World Series. Other 100 years, we don't. Let us be. What about teams that think they're in it, but their front office disagrees? This is the trickiest part. The trickiest part when you are the president of a team is when you know that you're selling at the deadline, but the players think you're buying, you've got to get into that clubhouse and you got to talk to your players. And you have to explain to them why you're about to do what you're about to do. The Baltimore Orioles traded their closer and their most popular player, Trey Mancini. And the thought was, hey, we're only like three games out of the wild card. We're one of the most surprising teams in baseball. Why aren't we going for it? Let's add. The Angelos brothers are involved in a huge fight over the Orioles. They're involved in a huge fight with the Nationals over TV money. They've got major issues. They are not making money. Sorry, Jeff and everyone else out there who thinks they are. They're not. 
Someone just said this blazer has dirt on it. I think it's dinosaurs, not dirt. Or maybe it's fish. It's definitely not dirt. The Angelos brothers who were running the Orioles knew they were going to sell. And that's a tough clubhouse meeting to have. But the clubhouse meeting that happens when you sell, when your players think that you should buy, doesn't happen after the deadline. It happens a week before the deadline. And then it happens every single day leading up to the deadline. You've got to make it so your players during the season, for off-season trades, you don't have to call anybody. But for in-season trades like what the Orioles did, you have to prepare your clubhouse, your coaching staff, your manager. There have to be talking points because the media is going to speak to the players. The media is going to speak to the coaching staff. The media is going to speak to managers. The media is going to speak to other front office people. You have to get your PR in line, your message points, and then you execute the financial plan that you choose. So all around baseball right now, there's a lot of people breathing sighs of relief that they're not going anywhere. Fan bases, happy, unhappy. Mets fans are miserable. We should have done more. I couldn't stand that. I was always that, right? We have to do more. We have to trade somebody at the deadline. We have to show our clubhouse that we mean it. We're in. You don't think Steve Cohn has shown the Mets players that he's in? Why do the Mets need to do stuff for the deadline? They got Darren Ruff. He can hit against lefties. It's fine. The New York Mets made the greatest trade deadline acquisition of the day today. But you just weren't paying attention. They traded for Jacob DeGrom. He's way better than Luis Castillo. Way better than Jordan Montgomery or Jose Quintana or any other starting pitcher out there. And he's actually playing for the Mets. Since we're live anyway. I mean, but if you're listening to this tomorrow, then you know exactly what happened. But in case you're live and you don't know the score of the game, the Mets are losing one nothing. Did DeGrom give up a run? Coca, talk to me. He actually gave up a run and the Mets can't score against the Nationals? Can you imagine? Anyway, my point stays the same whether DeGrom wins today or doesn't. The Mets did just fine. All right, I got one more topic. I mean, there's so many I want to do, Coca. What do you want to do? I want to take questions. I want to go through winners or losers, but we got to talk about the Anaheim Angels of Los Angeles, don't we? Aren't people interested why Shohei Otani didn't get traded? Didn't we all tell you that Shohei Otani has a deal to stay in Anaheim and that was a deal agreed to when he actually signed with the Angels for the first time? Didn't I explain to you that Artie Moreno is completely delusional and doesn't realize that his team stinks and he's never going to win and that Trout has a back injury that may be more serious than they're letting on and that they have no chance to win? Didn't I tell you that Artie Moreno spends a ton of money, which is why people don't complain about him, but if you don't win and you spend money, does that make it better than not spending and not winning? It's better to spend and not win than to not spend and not win. I don't get that. I'm a consequentialist. Isn't it better to not spend and win than to spend and win? If you could get what you have now for less, wouldn't you do it? The Angels had this amazing team before the season. I think I called for them. What did I say, Coca? We'd have to go back to some wait to cease. I don't know if I said that they were going to make the playoffs or not make the playoffs. They had Trout and Otani, two of the best players in the game, if not the two best players. They had their closer signed to a new five-year deal. 
Their closer, Iglesias, is now a brave. They traded him today. They signed him last year to a five-year deal and then traded him. Who would ever do that? Who would sign a player to a long-term deal and then trade him? Hmm. I can't think of anyone. That's totally ridiculous. Like you bring him in, you have the press conference, you hold up the jersey, you hug, you get pictures laminated, and then you trade him after one season. It's absurd. What kind of absolute idiot would do it? This guy right here. Yeah, the Angels are something else. They traded Thor. They traded their closer. They traded Syndergaard. Phillies took Syndergaard. That was good. They traded Marsh. I don't know, guys. I don't know what to tell you about the Angels. Aren't you considered a permanent loser if you can't make the playoffs with Mike Trout and Shohei Otani? Isn't that it? I think that's just how it goes. You consider me a loser having only won one World Series. Fair enough. It's the kind of loser I don't mind being. Two's better than one. One's better than zero. All right, Coca. Do you want me to do winners or losers? Can we talk about Luis Castillo going to the Mariners and what a prospect haul that was? Everyone was all excited about that trade from two days ago. Give me a break. He's facing the Yankees tomorrow. That'll be an interesting one. You want to take some questions? Do you want to just wrap it up? All right, let me ask for questions. There's a way to look on this for people live asking questions. I don't know exactly how to do it. I think I press, okay. Welcome back. Thank you, I'm back. Yes, I am. All right, how's everyone feeling about their team? Okay, that's me. (laughs) Mets needed a catcher and relievers and they got neither. It's okay, Micah, you're going to be fine. I don't think you're right, but that's a different story. Oh, look at the screen. I don't see any questions on the screen. What are the Los Angeles Angels doing? What's the plan? We already answered that. I'll give you another one. You know what they're really doing? They're trying to figure out how many billions of dollars they can spend on payroll without winning a single playoff game. And they are definitely leading the league in that. All right, what else? That's way too small. Do I need my glasses? This is live. I'm just being honest with you. Yes, that's a good question. Who formulates trades? The manager? No. Analytics people? No. Scouts? No. GM? Yes. President? No. Owner? No. Okay, what do you mean formulate? We told you how it works, but let me do it again for their new people on the chat right now. There is a book that's carried around. It's sort of computerized now, but it used to literally be a book where we have all every team, the 30 teams, their 40-man roster, every amount of money that every player is getting, what their service time is, meaning are they arbitration eligible? When are they going to be free agents? How many options they have left, meaning can they be sent from the major leagues to the minor leagues? And you keep that list and you're looking through, you've got people whose job it is to look through rosters of other teams every day. There are literally people, literally, their job description is called a pro scout. What pro scouts do is they get assigned franchises. Let's say you've got six scouts for 30 teams. Each scout has five teams. Their job is to know, the Mets tied up the Nationals, by the way. Their job is to know every player and who would be a good fit for our particular team. Then they go to their supervisor who often is the head of scouting, sometimes the assistant general manager. Sometimes they go over their head and go right to the general manager. Sometimes they go over their head right to the owner. We had a lot of that. 
hey, I think we should acquire X and we should be willing to trade Y and Z to get X. That doesn't happen on deadline day. That happens every day. There are trades being formulated every single day, including every day of the off season. Yes, we work Sundays. Yes, we work on Christmas. The White Sox made zero trades. What's going on in the south side of Chicago? Hold on, I gotta give you my Tony La Russa imitation. Wait for it, this is a real imitation because this is actually how I feel right now. Here it is. Ready, you better be on YouTube watching this because it's gonna be good. This is David Sampson playing Tony La Russa. <laughs> I have a video of Frank Robinson sleeping as the Expos manager in the dugout during a game. I mean, out like a light. There's a big video going around with Tony La Russa whose eyes are getting heavy during a White Sox game. Totally normal. Have, you, is your, have your eyes, this is what drives me semi-insane here. Just asking, have you ever fallen asleep at your job? Have you ever been in class? This is what I used to do. This is my trick. I'm gonna imitate my trick right now if you don't want. You take a pen, you get out a notebook. It was way easier before computers. And you're, you're closing your eyes as though you're thinking and you learn to move your right hand if you're a righty and you do like this, like you're taking notes. But I'm actually sleeping. I'm not writing one thing. You've never done that? I'm not buying it. What moves would you like the White Sox to make? Let's just go to the videotape right now and get the exact White Sox, I think they're around 500 at best, at best. Let's just get the exact. Ah, it's better to be lucky than good. 51 and 51. They are three games out of the wild card, and they only have to pass the Red Sox, the Orioles, and the Guardians, and then the Mariners or the Rays or the Blue Jays. Hmm, okay, very reasonable. Or they could try to win their division, which isn't out of the question. They're three games back of that too, behind the Guardians and the Twins, who made a bunch of great moves today, the Twins did. Hmm. We would say to our players, do you think you deserve any additions? Have you shown, like the Marlins players, did they show that they should be buyers at this deadline? They've lost like eight in a row prior to the deadline. I never really was a big fan of that system, which was, hey, you gotta show us. It's just an excuse we would give to the media. Hey, we, we didn't add because they didn't deserve it or it's always money related. Do you know why the White Sox didn't add? That's the same team, just FYI, that actually sold like the Orioles did this year when they were in the wild card race and they still sold because they realized they weren't good enough. That's sort of the White Sox this year. They were supposed to win the division in a landslide. They were supposed to be 10 games up at the deadline, getting ready for October. Our MLB preview actually had the White Sox losing in the first round because they'd be so out of practice playing competitive games because they would have clinched their division by the All-Star break. Yeah, that didn't quite work out. What happens when a trade involves a player to be named later? Ah, this is good. Do you know what a player to be named later generally means? It always comes with an or. Player to be named later or cash considerations, a dollar. Sometimes a player to be named later is a kid who was 
drafted the previous draft. You're not allowed to trade a player until they've been one year out. I don't know if that's in the new CBA. It was certainly in the old CBA. And you would call a player to be named later, but you'd agree on the player's name because that player's not eligible to be traded because he was just newly drafted. And then if that player gets hurt, you had a secondary side letter with the team that if this player is hurt and both doctors agree, then you get this next player. Baseball doesn't like those types of trades because it's not good to have a player who's traded to another team playing for a different team because what if you call up that player? You could have an agreement that you can't call up that player, but it's generally a much younger player who's not going to be called up. So baseball really wanted to clean that up. Sometimes a player be named later when you're getting close to a deadline, like trade deadline. You have a list of five players, and it's not a money issue at all, and you're still looking at physicals. You're looking at, at medicals. And so you get to choose one of the top five and you've got till tomorrow to choose. That can be a player to be named later. It's never a player of major consequence though. So don't stress out about that. Okay, let's do one more Coca, if we have. Blue Jays and Marlins, yes, they are trade partners again. The Marlins traded two good bullpen arms. Anthony Bass is a good arm that the Blue Jays got. That's really smart. When you're a team like the Marlins to trade bullpen arms and get back any sort of prospect for bullpen arms, bullpen arms are so fungible. You are always going to have a different bullpen from one year to the next. So if you can maximize the return on a bullpen arm, yes, I'm talking to you, Brewers, do it. Are the Giants pushing for the playoffs or are they rebuilding? Love it. This is how we end today's show. Yes, Coca is doing the chats, not me. Okay, can you be a buyer and a seller? Yes, you can. How about the Red Sox? Were they buyers today or were they sellers? Or did they stand pat? How many teams don't know exactly what they should do so they decide to do a little bit of tinkering? Who won the trade deadline last year? Anybody remember? It's only been a year. Everyone, I'm getting text alerts, Coca, left, right, and center. Winners of MLB trade deadline. Losers of MLB trade deadline. It's unbelievable. I've never seen anything like it. Who won last year's trade deadline? Anybody? Get in the chat right now. Tell me who did. Can you think of it? I got an answer for you. You ready? Have you ever heard of Jorge Soler or Ahmad Rosario or Adam Duvall? What? Who are they? Those are the guys who the Braves traded for at the deadline who helped them win the damn World Series. The winners of the trade deadline don't mean you're going to win the World Series. And the winner of the deadline in the rear view mirror is way different than the winner of the deadline in the current view mirror. Certainly in the front view mirror. Just think about it for one second. The little deals here that I didn't even talk about. What if Jose Quintana wins the next 10 games? What if Darren Ruff wins player of the month in September? How do you know? Everybody is so into names. We got to get this guy. We got to get that guy. If you don't trade for Soto, you're a failure. What are the Mets doing? What are the Dodgers doing? The Blue Jays didn't do enough. They got Whit Merrifield. Not enough. He's so good with the Royals. Yeah, but we want bigger, better. 
We wanted to be in on Soto. None of you will care come October. Because if your team's not in it, then winning the trade deadline didn't matter. If your team is in it, then losing the trade deadline didn't matter. And if you happen to win the whole damn thing, you won't even remember what happened at the deadline. We're going to have another show tomorrow morning. We're going to be live. Oh, I don't think we're going to be live on YouTube. We're just going to record a regular show. I'm going to talk about the trip. We have much to unpack about this trip to East Africa. So many things went through my head. So many things I want to get to. I don't even know if we'll get to it tomorrow because we have to talk about what happened with the Dolphins today. I have some thoughts. What happened with Deshaun Watson? Everything happened today, yesterday. It's unbelievable. Have to talk about Kyler Murray, but I've got to study for four hours right now, and I'm very tired. It is right now 20 plus 7 is 27. It is 3.40 a.m. where I just came from, so it's time to watch a movie. We'll be back in the morning. Until then, I appreciate that you joined us. It's just business. We're back. It's nothing personal. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.